it's Loom Group's Andrea Lay, Backview's Melissa Burdick, the wizard of Woodland Hills Shree, and I'm PVSB from Flywheel, a division of Omnicom, and I'm coming to you today from the Catskills. Be playing Heckinger's Tuesdays and Thursdays. Before we get to the CPG Guys episode you've downloaded, it's the week of May 6th, and it's time for the Fresh Four, for curated news stories from the past week. We find them dependably intriguing. We hope you do too. We're brought to you through our partnership with Retail Wit, your one-stop shop for retail industry intelligence news, retailwit.com. It's retail right now. Over to you, Shree. In case you're wondering what this background is, I'm at, I'm at my father-in-law's house all the way in Chennai, India for the next couple of weeks. So what's the message of the week? Kroger Precision Marketing strikes a partnership with none other than Yahoo DSP. So Yahoo DSP advertisers now have access to KPM's audiences for both reach and measurement. Partnership marks KPM's second DSP partnership since last fall and ushers in a new focus on commerce media for Yahoo advertising in particular. Collaborations like this one will define the next phase of growth in retail media as retailers recognize the limitations of monetization on their own digital properties and seek incremental growth by expanding offsite. This is said by Sara Marzano, principal analyst at eMarketer. For advertisers, the delayed but still impending deprecation of third-party cookies, which is now on its way, continues to underpin every decision regarding digital advertising dollars. So solutions that safeguard their investments against that hold increasing appeal. Over to you, Andrea. Hello, Fresh 4 listeners. Walmart adds a new grocery line to its private brand's portfolio. Walmart has announced a new private label grocery brand called Better Goods. The line includes 300 items spanning categories such as frozen, dairy, snacks, beverages, pasta, soups, coffee, and chocolate. With most items priced under $5, Better Goods focuses on three key components, culinary experiences, plant-based, and made without. The retailer said Better Goods marks not only its largest private food brand launch in two decades, but also its fastest grocery brand brought to market. Over to you, Melissa. Thanks, Andrea. Uh, so, Savemark companies roll out in-store retail media networks. It's not enough that we have online. Now we're moving to in-store retail media networks. The Savemark companies plans to roll out in-store connect, an in-store retail media network powered by Quad Graphics Inc. To start, 16 of the grocery company stores will have digital screens, kiosks, end caps, shelf screens, and vertical banners throughout, allowing CPG partners to showcase promotions, product information, and recommendations to shoppers. The program will eventually roll out to all the Savemark companies, approximately 200 stores. This is Savemark's latest retail media effort, coming almost a year after a launch of its own retail media network. Over to you, Peter. Thanks, Melissa. Rite Aid expands Uber Eats' partnership for alcohol delivery in eight states. Nearly 1,000 Rite Aid stores will now offer alcohol delivery via retailers' expanded partnership with Uber Eats. Customers of legal drinking aid can get delivery from select stores in California, Idaho, Michigan, New York, Ohio, Oregon, Virginia, and Washington. Quote, our collaboration and trusted partnership with Uber Eats underscores our commitment to meet the evolving needs of our customers and providing a seamless digital shopping experience complements their busy lives, unquote, said Jeannie Walden, Senior Vice President and Chief Marketing Officer at Rite Aid, the U.S.'s third largest pharmacy retailer. That's it for the Fresh Four. Now on to the CPG Guys episode that you've downloaded. Welcome to another episode of the CPG Guys podcast. Our hosts, Sri Raj Gopalan, 
Peter V.S. Bond, and Brian Gildenberg. Explore how brands and retailers engage consumers in an increasingly digitally driven world. And now, here are the CPG guys. Hello, folks, and welcome to this episode of the CPG Guys podcast, where we explore the omni-channel digital journey of brands and retailers. It's Women's Month on the CPG Guys. Every year in November, we feature only female executives, startup founders, and leaders from CPG brands and retail on the podcast. This is one of several episodes featuring one such female leader and a career in CPG brands. I'm your co-host, Shree, and please do listen to my daughter's music at www.riaraj.com. That's R-H-E-A-R-A-J.com. And follow the exciting adventures of my younger daughter at Dream Academy by High Ben Geffen Records on YouTube or Instagram. At the time of release of this episode, we will be one week away from knowing if Lara Raj actually made it to the next Global Girls Band. Congratulations to the Texas Rangers for winning their first World Series. And as painful as it is for me as a Yankees fan, Peter is a Dodgers fan. We'll give credit where it's due when it's a first. What a great celebration going on in Dallas-Fort Worth. I can't even imagine what the downtown ticker parade will look like since the Cowboys haven't won in forever, 30 years, something like that. Joining me today is my co-founder of the podcast, of course, a loyalty and insights expert. Join me in welcoming my best friend, Mr. Peter Bond. How are you today? What do you think about the Rangers win? Rangers, World Series first ever. What a great celebration. I know you spent some time in DFW and I've got some family down there. I'm sure they're all celebrating. If if we can't win as long as it's not Houston or Boston, you know, you and I are okay, right? Strangely, Peter, uh, I went to an ALCS game. It was Yankees at Rangers. This is way back in the past, maybe 11 years ago or so. And for some reason, I still had the ticket to that game, which now is probably worth something. Wow. I actually found it yesterday in the, all this memorabilia collections that I have. But before we get to our guests, let me remind everyone to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform. If you use Apple or Spotify, please do give us a rating because it helps feed the algorithm, makes our podcast more findable. It actually tells us if we get the conversations right and if we have the right guests. We want to express how honored we are to be rated literally the number one CPG podcast for two years running according to Feedspot, the leading podcast ranking authority. And we're pleased to have join us in the top 30 year sister cast, CPG Scoop, CPG Guys Fast Forward, and the FMCG Guys. We're also happy to be formal sponsors of Next Up, whose mission is to advance all women in business. As you know, we're giving away memberships to this prestigious network and organization as part of our partnership. Drop us a line at contact at cpgguys.com to learn more and take advantage of what Next Up has to offer for you. Links to our podcast, our sister cast, and our landing page on Next Up may be found in the digital liner notes of this episode. So let us guess to our guest. She's the seventh guest to come from the iconic CPG manufacturer, the iconic beverage, the Coca-Cola Company, where she has spent the entirety of her professional career since graduating from Georgia State University. Women's Month 2023 was opened by one of her peers, Dagmar Boggs, the president of food service of Coca-Cola, back on November 1st. In her two-plus decade tenure with Coca-Cola, Pamela Stewart has worked in a number of key leadership positions across North America, including national customers in retail and food service, franchise leadership, and operations. Earlier roles include SVP National Retail Sales, President of the West Operating Division, and now Chief Customer Officer for North America Retail. Join me and Peter in welcoming to the podcast, Pam Stewart. Pam, welcome to the CPG, guys. Thanks for being here during Women's Month for us in 2023. How are you? I'm excited. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm really excited today. I could not join into the conversation on baseball, though. I, 
I was, I was done. That was the two of you, period. I could not join in there, <laughs> but I'm doing great. Peter and I are happy we can have a conversation about one of the most iconic, if not the most iconic brand in the world with you. And that far times any baseball conversation we can ever have and your career and the success you've had far times any Texas Rangers win in our eyes. So here we go. <laughs> Thank you so much. Before we get to the questions I've prepared, would you give us a description of your role as Chief Custom Officer for North America Retail at the Coca-Cola Company? Absolutely. It's a, it's a wonderful role. It's an externally facing role where I have the privilege of leading an organization responsible for everything that happens inside and outside of the walls with our largest retailers and 70 different customers, six different channels. So everything from Walmart to Instacart to Amazon, Target, Costco, BJ's, all of those customers of trade, including convenience, retail, club, discounters. And so it's an incredible piece of business. It's an incredible organization and team. And so I get to do that every day and everything that goes into that uh, end to end across this matrix organization. That's a fun job. And I'm sure you're out in the field meeting not just people of Coca-Cola, but also retailers and you're helping shape the legacy and future of the CPG industry as well as retail in the process. And we're proud to have you. So thank you for that overview. In the digital liner notes of this episode, we'll of course include links to Pam's LinkedIn profile, Coca-Cola's LinkedIn page for listeners to access while we go on with our conversation. So here we go. And that very first question we would love for our audience to learn from is your career journey. You graduated from Georgia State University. You entered retail sales, then you got to food service, which is, while I want to say it's radically different, I do want to acknowledge there is a difference. The word radical is used often when we compare retail and food service. There is a difference, but at the end of the day, it's beverage consumption. And then to run a region to now be the CCO for North America retail. So can you take us through the years and how you got here and what inspiration, therefore, would you pass on? Absolutely. I actually have a little bit of a stint just before Coca-Cola. I actually was in the telecom industry, two different companies, and I was leading on the finance side and both at MCI WorldCom and CETA. And then I had this inkling of coming to the Coca-Cola company. And it started, it's interesting because it started with me coming to Atlanta for the first time, looking up, seeing that beautiful, bold red sign that read Coca-Cola. And saying to myself, I'll work there one day. And the universe and all the wonderful people ahead of me conspired to make sure that I was here. But I started in finance with a company 23 years ago. I was supporting the, the sales and marketing organization. I then moved over and, and continued in finance, really doing a lot of the deals analysis of some of the largest um, different channels and customer teams. And I woke up one day, honestly, for the two of you, thinking, you know what? I will only be good in finance. I can make people believe I'm great, but I will only be good. And this is where I got my first lesson of passion is necessary. And so I followed my passion. I moved over into sales, starting in the food service arena, moving to Texas. It's interesting that you said Dallas, Texas, in order to um, lead the central region of the Domino's Pizza global team. And then I had an opportunity to come back to Atlanta to do a job, uh, a business development executive, really hunting for the company, securing new competitive or dry relationships nationally on the food service side. 
and specialty retail. And then I came back um, and had an opportunity to be a director on the bottler side to be able to lead all the theme parks, marketing assets, hospitals, hotels. I then had an opportunity to be the leader of the hunters that I just talked about, leading big negotiations and securing really major food service partnerships during that time. And then we formed kind of at the time, the largest vertical integration where the company purchased the largest North America bottler creating Coca-Cola refreshments, at which point I became the chief of staff to the president of that newly formed organization, Coca-Cola Refreshments. The person at the time was Steve Kaling. Uh, and I did that. And then I moved into sales operations on the food service side, leading all of food service for the East. And then I moved over and became the leader of the public's organization, uh, just ahead of me becoming the senior vice president of retail, leading all of East. And then I moved into franchise operations as a president of the West. So I led all of the West, those 80 something million consumers and 20 bottlers. And then most recently, of course, the role that we're talking about today uh, as CCO for the retail organization. So that has been my track. Uh, hopefully we'll tease out all of the, the pain points, pitfalls and triumphs in that journey. But it's been an incredible ride. I got to imagine that finance training that you got way up front as much as your career has evolved, moved on, you're with customers every day. That finance training is probably an anchor of a lot of what you do, even down to the day managing and ensuring that the PL can actually deliver for your board as well as um, for hundreds and thousands of employees. A hundred percent. I think it never leaves you. So uh, the analytics never leave you. And I think the more important thing is it grounds you on the importance of facts. Uh, in this business, you can make a lot of gut decisions. And, and quite frankly, you want to make some of those decisions infused with gut, head and heart. But making sure that the mind, the head is really leaned in on the facts is really important. So it never leaves you. And it's certainly an edge, a brand edge, if you will. I remember the first time I saw one Coca-Cola Plaza. It was definitely a tingly feeling as I came off the highway. I passed the varsity and made my way up. Uh, I think I got a room at the Hampton Inn right next door. But I spent many uh, familiar days walking those halls. And I loved it because I, sometimes I would just go with a couple of meetings scheduled because I knew when people would see me in the hallways, they'd be like, oh, you're here? Come on up to my office. I need to talk to you. Mm -hmm. But it's great to have you here, Pamela. It's so exciting to talk with you about everything that's going on. I should also make mention of the fact that if you go to the Coca-Cola Museum onto one of the uh, memorabilia rooms on the second floor, you'll see a, uh, a large exhibit of iPhone covers with different brands within the Coca-Cola portfolio. Those were all mine. I used to swap my iPhone covers out depending upon which brand manager that I would meet with because then they invariably they'd go, you've got a mellow yellow phone cover? I'm like, well, yeah. And they go, how do you get one of those? I said, I had it custom made. I love your brand. You love my brand. I love my brand. And then the conversation would go on. That's how you sell, right? Like you said, take passion in your client's business. Okay. So obviously, as you move through the organization, you increase the level of responsibility you had with with guiding people's careers and driving performance in the organization. Would love to hear from you what leadership attributes you think have served you the best and really helped you get the most out of your team, help them advance, and in doing so also helped you move into new and challenging roles. 
I think one of the number one leadership attributes, there are fundamentals, right? We'll talk about passion, integrity. I'm going to park those because those are table stakes in my book. The true differentiators of being good and being exceptional really comes down to three for me. Resilience is the first one. And resilience, because regardless of how well you plan anything, decide what it will be for your life. It will never, ever go exactly as planned. You can meet a thousand times. You can run the numbers, see the print, print it thousand times. It will never go that way. And, and some of that works in your favor on the positive, And some of that, frankly, works against you on the negative. And you have to be able to embrace it as a lesson and get back into the game. And the, the quicker your recovery, the more you will be apt to be an exceptional leader. So resilience would be the first. The second would be curiosity. Curiosity to me, because the world is evolving. People are evolving. Things are changing so fast, especially with the urgency of technology and just human personality and human nature. It's so important that you curiously learn, learn, learn. And so being a learner versus a know-it-all will be so increasingly important. And that level of rich curiosity, true curiosity, where you're trying to find what's the question, not the answers. And that is the importance, especially as a leader. As a leader, when you're coming up in the ranks, you feel the need to have all the answers so that you can impress whoever it is to to know that they can be confident in you. At a certain point, when you start leading people, you have to figure out what are the questions and really work with your team, developing them to ask the right questions. That's the differentiator. So curiosity. The third to me, quite frankly, is empathy. When people are coming into work, they have children. We just talked about some wonderfully talented daughters, um, but they have children. They have stressors at home. They have hobbies. They have other interests. And they bring all of that to work. And they're spending more time with you than all of those things. And so understanding and bringing a level of empathy of leading people from the humanity of people, not just from the business need of what needs to get done is a differentiator. And so working through being gentle, being firm and holding people accountable, but in a way that's humane is very, very important. And so I found those three things. I'm going to add a fourth because I can't help myself. Can't help it. Um, Hunger. And let me just describe it. Over the years, I've learned that if it's not a hell yes, it's a no. Because as you start thinking about the time you spend, the energy you spend, the resources you spend, you have to be riveted about why you do something, including the job you have, the career, there is nobody forcing you to come to work. It is a decision you make every day. And soon as you relegate it to someone doing something to you, you're not actively living. And so I've found the importance of hunger and being passionate about something. That's why I switched from finance to sales and general management and leadership is because it's a great discipline. There will be people who love it. I just wasn't one of them. And when you're doing something you don't love, you're only at a capacity of up to 50%. Just imagine your fulfillment of life when you can push that to 100%. And that's what I'm on the quest to do. 
And that hunger is what drives me. Those four, to me, are some of the most powerful from resilience to curiosity, to empathy, and to this hunger. And those all complement all the table stakes of passion and integrity and all of those different things that are truly critical to understand the business and understand others. Here on the CPG Guides, Pam, we couldn't agree more with you. It's that very hunger back when Peter and I got our commute times back in March of 2020, living in the Northeast in and around Manhattan. We said, hey, why not start a communication vehicle with people in the CPG industry and retail on sharing knowledge and education? And it's that empathy to provide a platform here, not just for women, but for anyone who needs to be able to communicate, needs a voice, especially startups for brands that can come out here and communicate. We can relate to everything you just said. The curiosity one, I think, triumphs everything else. If we've learned anything in the last three years, which have gone nothing like the previous 10 years or any of the analytics we would have worked with in the last 10 years, especially running regression models or Bayesian shrinkage models, I had to say that, Peter. All of that went out the window because we had to pretty much reshape destiny and the future. And the one virtue which would have helped people in that process is everybody had to learn how to become omnichannel in a second. And curiosity would have been that attribute which would would have wouldn't have blocked. So Pam, thank you for sharing your attributes that have served you well. I'll now flip that around to ask, as a successful leader over the years, you've obviously built tons of teams in and around you, people who report to you, don't report to you, dotted line into you, people you influence, people who have to influence you. So you work with a ton of people every single day for a living. A successful leader does build a good team at the end of the day. So what do you look for in people? to help build these mega successful teams like you have now at Coca-Cola? I look for people who are we focus versus me focus. So people who are really trying to look at life one plus one equals four versus if I do this one thing for myself. And so I really look for leaders who influence others in that and I watch it. I watch it. I listen to how they answer the questions. I do recommendations, backgrounds on people who influence others and naturally do so. And people who are always trying to solve the whole, not just their individual lane. So the we versus me is certainly uh, an attribute that's really important. The second piece is someone who is a people first leader. Because we're going to have, certainly on my organization, very bold, ambitious, aspirational, meaty goals. And they're not going to be layups. And it's going to put stressors on themselves and the people they lead. And I need people who have the mental agility and maturity to be able to lead and be empathetic leaders to be able to lead through that. So people first leaders, so important, so important to me where they're trying to figure out what development do you need to be successful? How can I make, how can I be a catalyst to your growth and your goals versus just my own? So I, I always spot that overall. I think the next type of leader that I look for personally are the things I just shared in the last question. I look for the same type of prototype, curious people who are empathetic, who are resilient change agents, who are hungry. And I, I look for that because that will sustain us through 
the downturns of the business. And if they fundamentally have all of the intrinsic, tangible, technical skills, they can be very powerful because I need people who are multipliers. And those attributes I just described are people who are multipliers. Those are the type of leaders I look for. It doesn't matter what the role is. I'm telling you, no matter what the role is, those are the types of leaders that I look for overall. And uh, let me just do a quick little add on to this, Pam. Talk about mentorship or sponsorship in terms of how people have helped you and how you think about paying that forward with the people that you see emerging in, in the organization. You know, it's interesting. Um, there are people who are out there who are listening to this who believe that, you know what, if only I do a good job and I work hard, I will achieve all my goals. And they're out there and they hear me and I want you to hear me. That will never be enough. That will never be enough to achieve your goals. You will need someone to see a light in you, to see a gift in you, to see a brand edge that nobody else has, that takes an interest in making sure you achieve your dreams. It's, it's naturally what's going to happen. Or giving you a platform so that others can see that gift. And that's happened to me. You know, people like Kathy Horgan coming up into the industry. She's since retired from Coca-Cola. I know I would not be here without her because she saw something in me when I was in finance. Literally the first week I was here, 23 years ago, I went into her office and we just had this amazing connection. And she just always trusted that I would over-deliver anything asked and that I would stretch beyond anything that I was asked to do. And that amount of confidence. And then people like Sandy Douglas and then Steve Kaling, um, and now Jennifer Mann, people who see something in me and how I've turned that around is I have tons of mentees. <laughs> and, uh, and what I try to do for mentees ultimately is to tell them the truth that people are saying that they can't hear and then giving them the tools, tangible, actionable tools to rectify, remedy, and to make better. And that is my gift. It's to do that with loving, tough language, helping them be their best selves. The second part on the sponsorship, and the difference really is, as a mentor, I'm coaching you up. I'm giving you guidance. I'm giving you keys to tweak things to consider, things to develop. On the sponsorship, I'm basically saying unequivocally, I'm willing to bet six months of my salary that this person's going to excel in this role. And I am going into the rooms where you're not even present with a jersey on my back and it has your name on the back. And I am touting you and I am, I am doing that. It's so critical to have those. The only way to get those is to do an exceptional job at the things you do. And to always stretch to want and do more. That's the only way to get them. That is something you can't go ask and say, can you be my sponsor? That does not happen. People like sure bets. And when they see you produce time and time again, exceptionally well, always bringing others along, always creating buy-in alignment and results, they're going to say, I would put six months of my salary on the line that this person's going to excel in this role. And so I've done that for many, many people. And many, many people that I just named prior have done that for me. And so at this stage of my career, quite frankly, to the two of you, I want to be a catalyst for other people's dreams. 
That is my ultimate aim is to be a catalyst for other people's dreams and, and those dreams expanding, quite frankly, beyond professional. And so that's what I hope to be for others. That's what others have been for me. I can only say bravo to that, Pam. Shri and I try to follow that in our careers. We're also very proud, as we've said, to be associated with Next Up, formerly Network of Executive Women. And we think allyship in the advancement of women in business and breaking down inequality and gender bias in the workplace is very important. So in all these cases, that's really great. Let me shift here for a second and start talking more about the business side of what you do and the timeliness of what's going on in the industry. The onset of the pandemic threw us into an accelerated omni-channel world. I'd love to hear from you in terms of how you thought about leading your organization and adjusting your strategy as the pandemic arrived. Obviously, you know, we heard Dagmar talk about the fact that food service had a dramatic impact. If you had a drive-through window, you were loving life. If you didn't, you were in big trouble. Um, very different for retail. But now we see things are kind of back to going into stores. So my question around this is, you know, how did you adjust and have things changed forever? Have they just gone back to where they were previous or what's the state of Omnichannel from your perspective and how you're leading your organization through this? Yeah, Peter, I, I would tell you this. Um, I'll take you back first and then I'll bring you to the present. Um, back then where Dagmar did talk about, I mean, her whole entire channel shuttered in, in essence. But the retail organization actually thrived. The challenge to the retail organization was caught up in the supply chain operations is can we get enough of all of the inputs, the raw materials and the production going in order to create the product? And for the Coca-Cola system, that's actually where we shine best because we are a DSD network versus other CPG organizations that are warehouse based. And so I have to, on this discussion, give just kudos and admiration to the bottling community that came together with the company to be able to serve our consumers, because that's exactly what happened. We tried to figure out where can we make sure that we have the most loved SKUs of our brands and within arms desire of our consumers. And so we did that and we experienced the growth as we've reported in the earnings as a result of that. And as the world came in, we also saw this predominance of digital right? And e-commerce. And what we made sure that we tightened our partnerships, that we invested. This is also when the emergence of retail media networks came on the scene. This is another podcast. We'll do that later. <laughs> but retail media networks came on the scene and we started to understand the importance of retail media networks. And we also understood that one is not the same as the other. And so at that time, to the credit of Katie Neal, who was in our organization three years ago, we created an assessment and evaluation of retail media networks. We can literally publish it today, but right now that is a proprietary for us that dictates what are the metrics and what deems the investment, the DME investment from our company. Where we are today, we are here to modernize retail at the Coca-Cola company at this point, and it has a lot of tenants to it. But one such tenant is digitizing the way we do everything in business. And so that's end to end. What we found is in this massive, complex organization, and most especially this massive, complex continent, 
What we found is technology is the great simplifier. We just talked about it uh, offline, the three of us, a moment ago. Technology and the importance of technology providing data and facts enabling better decisions, but also technology providing uh, direction to our frontline associates and our customer leaders, so important. And so we've invested in that in deeper ways as a result of the pandemic. And so the pandemic is, you know, you, you, I, I always try to find what can we extract in the way of greatness. What I've learned through that personally, and so I'll infuse my personal anecdote here. What I've learned through the pandemic is what I shared earlier is you can plan everything to the T. You can get up every day and say, you know what, in two months I'll exercise. In three years, I'll, I'll start taking my spouse out. In five years, I'll start. You can start planning all of that. And you know what happens with that? Life. And what the pandemic has taught me more than anything is how can you remain agile? How can you place investments now for the future to be ready for any changes that might happen? And how can you be resilient enough to pivot fast so that you can lean into it? And that's what we demonstrated in the pandemic. To your last question, this is the new normal. So there are no more reports where we're saying versus 2019. That's that's gone. Those days are gone. We're beyond. Because this is such a new nuance. It's AI now emerging as well. The disruption of that, hopefully constructive enough for us to be better. It's so different. So all of that to say, it made us better. We had the power of the DSD network that played to our strength on the retail side. And that yielded great dividends for us through our bottlers. The third is that we are digitizing everything we do and blending in technology to make things easier and more seamless to do business and to make things simpler for the front line and also our advanced sales leaders. That's what we're doing now. Pam, we're sometimes referred to as the Retail Media Network podcast. So we would love to have you back when time permits to do nothing else but geek out about everything retail media all the way from is iOS the right metric? Is it something else? But we t- we talk retail media on this podcast? Below, when did we start doing line, that? Below the line, is it 87% below the line? All of that stuff. We'd welcome you back. Anytime. ROI, ROAS, ACOS, all those wonderful things. I would love to do it. In fact, I'll bring two of my stars, Sonia Sethi and Katie Neal uh, with me. We'll do the five of us here uh, having a good, good conversation. That will make for one heck of not just a podcast, but an awesome roundtable. I'm sure the industry will appreciate. So let me remind our audience that we're speaking with Pam Stewart, Chief Customer Officer for North America Retail at the Coca-Cola Company. So if Coca-Cola wasn't enough for you, you talked about being busy and life happens. You have quite a number of other leadership activities you are leading. Talk to us about your involvement over the years as a member of the board of directors of so many organizations such as UTS the National Restaurant Association, FMI, Save the Children, and Black Women and Boards. Yeah, no, going back to We Focus, that's what I, I like to live, what I'm preaching, right? And so I'm really focused, let me, let me ground everybody, the first on my two purpose areas. I am put on earth to stretch people beyond their own potential and to create safe spaces where people feel more comfortable in their own skin. That is why I'm designed and uniquely here. 
And so in doing so, there are four causes that speak to my spirit. The first being education reform. The second being animal rights and protections. The third being children's rights and protections. And the fourth being equity and civil rights. And so all of my boards, besides the industry ones, encompass that. So currently I'm on the public board of Utz Snacks. Some of you may, if you're not in the Northeast, you may not know it yet. It will come to you, but you may not know it as Utz. You may know On the Border Chips, Boulder Canyon, Zaps Chips. And so I have the wonderful privilege of, of being on that great board with the greatest leaders there. The second, I'm on 3DE by Junior Achievement. And we're trying to reform high school education. And as I shared with you, that's an important um, mandate for me personally. I'm also on the Coca-Cola Scholars Foundation with that and giving out scholarships to some of the most esteemed, most brilliant people. I tell you, sitting with them, we just had a summit with them and you listen to them and you think about what am I doing with my life? (laughs) It's like, Oh my goodness. I'm also on the board of Save the Children. And so I have the privilege of making sure we give resources to children across the world who are embattled in some kind of way. I'm also on the board of Girls Inc. So doing much like Next Up, but at the an earlier stage of the lives of women and young girls. And so I love doing that work. And as a member, I'm a member of the Executive Leadership Council. I'm a member of Black Women on Boards and several different others, as well as on the industry. I'm on the board of FMI, the Food Marketing Institute. I'm also on the board of RELA, so Retailers, Retail Industry Leadership Association. And I'm sure there's more. And I do that because of what we just talked about. There are people who are going to do amazing things. And let's just face it, people at my level don't look like me. And so I have so much work to do to make sure that I send the elevator back, to make sure that when you think about a certain demographic or a certain segment of the population, that you'll have so many people from whom to choose that will be overwhelming. We're not there yet. And so that's why I spend a lot of time just helping the world be a little bit better place. And Pam, that's why Peter, Brian, and I strongly feel this is our mission. Our mission is to change this. We want to see more people like you on boards, more people like you in leadership positions. This is why we do Women's Month. This is why we're close partners of Next Up. So much more to come on our partnership with Next Up for 2024. Outstanding. All right, Pam. Your role in retail leadership is anchored on this concept of refreshing beverage satisfaction for consumers. How do you help deliver that for consumers and retail partners by working with brand teams and business units and the marketing organization? How does all that magic come together with the the secret recipe that we know is in some vault somewhere hidden inside one coat? Maybe it's over in the the innovation lab you've got hidden around the corner. I've been there. They blindfolded me. They wouldn't show me where it was, but I've been there. I know you've got it somewhere. So Seriously, though, how, how does this all come together? You know, it's uh, it is such I call it the green curtain work. It is uh, easy says hard does. But let me give you a kind of a snapshot for those listening, because I, I think it's really interesting. So the way that we're designed, I, I, I just talked about a little bit. We are DSD organization. And, and so we have over 60 plus bottlers in the organization. 
and in our system here in North America. And we have to align on the commercial strategies, the brand priorities, the investments, the capital investments, all of those different sorts on top of our own as a company. And so there's a piece of that. But we always start with the consumer. And I want to give credit to Shakir Moen, who is the CMO of North America and his entire team. They have such a deep extraction and insights around consumers. That and Andy McMillan, who leads as commercial lead, we pull together the consumer's interest, preference, pain points, but we understand the consumer first. And I think you said it earlier, Peter, around we address the consumer through the customers. That's exactly kind of the approach we have. Once we know that there's a need state of the consumers, we start making the brands that fit that foot up to that taste and foot up to that need. And we start creating the packages, whether it be by portions, by design, by flavor profiles, by innovation. And then we work with the marketing team to do that. But it's hand in hand. And so the way it sits right now, it's myself on the retail side. It's the marketing, the CMO. It's the chief operation officer who works with the bottlers and it's the chief commercial officer who does all the price package planning, RGM. And we come together and design a truly end-to-end commercial plan, starting with the consumer that puts into the marketing calendar, that puts into all of the innovation, that puts into the price package plan, that ultimately puts to the ad calendar, that then reaches into inside or outside the walls. And so it is Herculean work. We have done it so long, all season, so it's kind of habit. But if I start to decouple every process, it, it would be numbing. What we've learned over time, which is a more important anecdote, we've learned over time that fewer, bigger, better is better than quantity. And so less is more, said simply. And that has been a discipline we've had to refine over and over again. And I think that's another byproduct of the pandemic. We had all of these SKUs we simply couldn't make. We didn't have enough aluminum and all of these different things to make it. And we've realized that less is more. And we've realized the power of limited time offers and new innovation and some of those things. So it's been a lesson for us, but that's how we do it. It's the four of us all getting together, having a line plan, feeding into it, and then my team taking it to the external facing to make it happen with the partnerships and relationships we have both with the industry and our customers. Well, I'll tell you, that's terrific to hear. I I can say that for the Bond household, so long as I keep eight ounce Diet Coke in stock, my wife does not send the house into DEFCON 1. (laughs) She sent me the other day, I said, I'm bringing Indian food home. You better have Diet Coke for me. (laughs) <laughs> I love this. You know what's funny? I am such a Coke Zero drinker, and I'm not making a pitch or a product placement. I am a Coke Zero drinker, and I love Simply Lemonade. Those are my those are my two besides Smart Order. Those are my three kind of go tos. But we'll talk about this afterwards. But I want to know how I get a freestyle machine in my house because I like some of those designer zero sugar Minute Maid lemonades because that's where I'm going. Like, give me that. My daughter wants the pink lemonade zero sugar every chance she gets. Loves it. Loves it. Anyhow. Uh, I like the bubbles. Tell your daughter I like the bubbles. I like Topo Chico. I like the yeah. bubbles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Perhaps, Pam, we can ask one of the RSRs just to fill a truck and drop a bunch of caseloads into your garage, Peter. That's that's gonna be a lifetime. That's a lifetime supply. 
I think we can do that. I, I, I think somehow, some way, some way. How do I get on the DSD route delivery system? That's what I want to know. <laughs> exactly. I'm going to get you in touch with our nearest bottler by your house. <laughs> the Northeast. So uh, thank you for that, Pam. And uh, speaking of business, speaking of how we had to adapt, we had to get curious. Looks like 2023, we're having to adapt once again. Business in 2023 does look very different from the last three years as consumer retail purchases and consumption seems to have slowed down significantly. Um, significant, of course, in the world, Pam, that you're dealing with managing over $10 billion of volume in North America, a percent can mean a lot, $100 million. And that's what I mean by significant. So how are you coaching your teams to understand that this is a phenomenon in the industry? Categories are not growing as fast as they were probably projected. And how are you adapting to that? You know, it's um, without giving away numbers, because this is where I want to stay out of trouble on that. Just so everyone knows, if you have an opportunity, we just released our quarter three earnings. We're excited about the quarter three earnings. And so I'll leave it to you to take a peek at it on Seeking Alpha or other options and sources. But for us, you know, at the end of the day, it goes, goes back to the consumer. You know, the inflationary environment and the needs and the stressors of the consumer are having every single CPG leader adapt. And so that adaptation is really around, it's very important to have premiumization and affordability. And that's the reality of it. And we talk about it a lot and making sure that we have a brand that's at the right place at the right price point and the right package to the consumers. And so we're just, we're diving into the insights of what the stressors are, Sri, and we're figuring out what brand and what occasion can we get that brand into the hands of the consumer? And we're being more nimble. You know, I remember I, I ran retail for the East back in 2018, I believe it was. And I remember we had, we were on a month cycle. So within the month, nothing really changes. So we could get together every month, feel really good about what's going on and feel really good that our plans are going to follow through. And today's dynamic environment where you have geopolitical climate, you have uh, stressors around inflation, you have the economy as the backdrop, um, it is so much different, including technology. And so it's week to week trying to making sure you have an ironclad plan and making sure you're agile week to week to make sure that you have something for the consumers. So for your question, what it's really allowed us to do is do segmentation better for our consumers and making sure against that segmentation, we truly do have a solution based on the goods that we produce. And that has been the work we've been doing. And we've been doing it with a lens of not over a year arc, but a long-term arc so that we can make true investments with the consumer. Not unlike what we've done with Coke Zero, not unlike what we did with the mini can when we brought the mini can. That's what we're doing. Oh, that's terrific. I got to tell you, this has been so much fun talking NARTD. And for those of you who aren't in the industry, we always like to break down acronyms, non-alcoholic, ready to drink beverages and while she won't say it i will say that i saw the third quarter earnings numbers and i saw 18 percent return on income growth so that uh operating income grew 18 hey, 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 hey. i can say that she may not say that but i can say that you can say them yes everything public it's out there um 
I'll stay away from numbers, though. I, I'll, I won't get myself. Involved. I'm reading it off of your website. So that's there you go. All right. So <laughs> let's let's round this out by getting back to careers and growth and opportunity. What advice do you have for women, women of color uh, in particular, that are really interested in pursuing a corporate career in the CPG retail industry? You've kind of given us a couple of pieces of advice. Would love for you to round it out. What should they be thinking about if they want to go into this industry that the three of us so love and, and adore? We love this industry. Yeah, yeah I think a couple of things. Um, I think they have to really sit with the reality that when people think about presidential or these roles, there is not a template of a lot of people who have done this, right? You have Latrice over at Walmart. You had... Uh, Rosalind before in Sam's Club and subsequently Walgreens. Um, you have me here at Coca-Cola. They're very, very few at this level. And so you have to let them know, particularly women of color, that they have to be comfortable being the first. They have to be comfortable in that. The second is making sure that they get the technical skill sets needed in the role to be successful. For me, in my career where I am, I know that started with finance and being clear on retail business acumen, being able to understand uh, revenue growth management and price package planning and marketing, the technical skills will be important. So that curiosity and the education of getting the fundamental skills down will be important. The third, though, is all on leadership. It's all on leadership, how you show up on creating one plus one equals four by making sure that you are elevating others, not just yourself, and that you are trying to find a way in, in your responsibility to always think at an end-to-end level and with an enterprise mindset. Even if you're the sales manager of this said business, understanding how it fits in the whole and making the whole better, not just your piece. If you do that, and lean into that and have a point of view and be able to speak up with that point of view and be able to lean into your light consistently, one role after the other, after the other, after the other will lead you to a CCO. One role after the other, after the other will lead you to CEO, if that's what you so desire. And I think the only thing I would add that I would not have added when I was younger, but I will add now with my wisdom, is enjoy the ride. Spend time with the people you love, have time for your friends, visit your daughter, visit your son, visit your mom, those things, because you can get so caught up in being successful at this level. And it's so demanding. It will take all that it gives, right? It will take as much as it gives, but please have fun because this is why we're here. I would say that. Wow. An episode packed with inspiration, learning, coaching in 45 minutes. How about that, Peter? So let me remind our audience of the URL, cpgguys.com, where you can simply go to a web browser, type that, and you can find all of our content, seven-day programming of learning, sharing, and education. And if you think you or your company has some thought leadership to contribute on a community discussion, just drop us an email at contact at cpgguys.com, and you can join us on the podcast. Don't forget to drop us a rating at cpgguys.com on the top navigation bar on top because it tells us how we're doing and if we're having the right conversations. 
I want to thank our 26,000 plus followers on LinkedIn. We know that is a huge number. This podcast doesn't exist without you. Thank you for all the likes, clicks, direct messages in the comments and shaping the outcome of this podcast. Pam, I can't thank you enough for making time for us out of your busy schedule and being an inspiration to many on the CPG guys. Thank you so much for having me. The two of you are an inspiration for me and for many of those in the CPG industry. I am proud of you. And so well done. And I look forward to our retail media network chat. <laughs> we will follow up Pam for sure, because we can't wait to discuss IROAS. And so Peter, that time where we ask you to tell us everything we've learned in the summary. Wow, I've got like six pages of notes, but I'm going to try and abbreviate it, Shree. Uh, such a great conversation with Pam. She started her career in telecom and one day looked up at 1CC Plaza, saw that red blazon sign with the iconic Coca-Cola logo and said, I'm going to work there one day. Wow, that just gives me shivers. I'm pretty excited about that. She talked a lot about leadership greatness, focusing on success around resilience, curiosity, empathy, and even hunger for achievement. But of course, to be a leader, you have to have a great team. And so assembling a team, you need to find people who are we versus me focused, uh, people who can help influence others, solving for the whole, people first leaders. And then, of course, having people that demonstrate the same leadership attributes that she described earlier. And as I followed up on on mentoring, she offered some really great advice on don't expect mentors to just show up and just asking them to be mentors. If you don't demonstrate that you're going to be successful and they will never regret taking you on as a mentor, don't expect them to, to lean in and move from being even what I consider to be a mentor to a sponsor. A sponsor is when they're really advocating for you. Um, and if you're a mentor, if you're going to be good at it, you want to find those people, but you also have to be promoting your mentees and you also have to be very honest in giving them direct feedback on what they may not be hearing because that's the only way they're going to grow. Um, when we talked a little bit about the pandemic, why did Coca-Cola thrive? It did because it had a very resilient bottling system that had to dramatically pivot to service consumers where they were, not where they had been prior to the pandemic. I think that's critically important. Um, she talked a lot about the big focus the organization placed on digital. And of course, that meant immersing themselves in this incredible growth around retail media that we've just seen exploding for the last couple of years. They developed a retail media playbook. Shree, we got to get our hands on it. I know it's in the vault next to the recipe. Got to get our hands on it. Um, <laughs> but in all seriousness, uh, the belief that you need to digitize everything you could in the business process, that was going to lead to success because ultimately tech is the great simplifier. Um, the pandemic did teach that, you know, much like uh, Monty Python would say, no one expects the Spanish Inquisition. And there was no plan. So remaining agile and being resilient made you understand that there weren't going to be any comp measurements that you could work against. You needed to focus on delivering the best customer experience. 
I love that Pam said her two purpose areas are helping people stretch beyond what they are capable of doing or they think they're capable of doing and to creating safe spaces to grow. And that kind of is emblematic of all the different organizations that she has contributed her time to. We also know she basically doesn't sleep and has no weekends because that's really all she does. But in terms of building out the organization for delivering ultimately happiness for their customers and yet centered around this idea of the consumer, Bringing everybody together, uh, the marketing organization, the bottling organization, revenue growth management, uh, and then coming together with end-to-end solutions, uh, understanding that less is more. That's going to drive the most success. You know, what's going on now that we're in 2023? It's a week-by-week battle. And you need to be very good at customer segmentation to deliver better experiences for your consumer. If you if you do that, you'll be successful. And lastly, just around advice um, for particularly women of color who are seeking to succeed in the industry, there really is no template. Uh, you need to chart your own course and you have to be comfortable with being kind of the first. There are a couple of people out there, but by no means are there nearly enough as there should be, you and I, Shri, agree to help offer inspiration and guidance to women who are looking to move up in the same industry. You got to invest in your tech skills to succeed. And if you're going to be a leader, you have to show up to elevate and develop the people around you, not just yourself. And you need to be thinking end to end. And while you're at it, enjoy the ride. And that's, I think, Shri, what, what really resonates because that's how you and I take this approach. We love what we're doing. Nobody learns more from this podcast. Having fascinating conversations with people like Pam, it's why we do this. It is so inspiring. Uh, This is a great conversation. I loved every single second of it. Thank you, Pam. We really appreciate you coming on the podcast. I'm deeply grateful again, and thank you so much. I, I I must do a plug for Next Up. I've been a member since 2004. For those of you who really want to lean into the CPG organization, it is just that organization for you. So I can't recommend it enough. Let me thank Peter and Pam for giving me their time today and joining me on this episode of the CPG Guys. I will wrap up this episode by asking all our audience that very question. Are you curious to shape the future? Thank you. And that's a wrap. The content in this podcast episode is provided for general informational purposes only. By listening to our episode, you understand that no information contained in this episode should be construed as advice from CPG Guys LLC or the individual author, hosts, or guests, nor is it intended to be a substitute for research on any subject matter. Reference to any specific product or entity does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by CPG Guys LLC. The views expressed by guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. The views expressed by CPG Guys LLC do not represent the views of their employers or the entity they represent. CPG Guys LLC expressly disclaims any and all liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect, incidental, special, consequential, or other damages arising out of any individual's use of, reference to, or inability to use this podcast or the information we present in this podcast.